Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. I'm Shonda Rhimes, and we're bringing you Dominant Stories, created by Shondaland Audio in partnership with the Dove Self-Esteem Project. So when, when we do think about the beauty of losing the thing that you, you don't value, it's taught me how to love these hands. Mm. It's taught me how to give thanks for the feet that were never cute enough to get in the shoes that the girls did. It's taught me how to love the thighs that are unwieldy and my arms that have flaps and don't look nearly as good as Michelle Obama's. I mean, not at all like her arms. Hey, I'm Jess Wiener, and this is Dominant Stories, the podcast that helps us reclaim and rewrite the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about our bodies, our beauty, our creativity, and our identities. A lot of my professional career is spent helping people feel seen, heard, and understood. The more nuanced elements of how we learn to love ourselves. We know we want to love ourselves. We know that we want to feel more confident. But how exactly do we do that? Because I think it can be a little too reductive sometimes to just have the world kind of shout back at us to love yourself, like love your body, without fully understanding the complex relationships that we may have with our bodies and with our health. What does it mean for you when you're physically in pain and your body is failing you and things are happening to your body that are outside of your control? How does that help or hurt your self-image and your self-esteem? And this is not uncommon according to the Centers for Disease Control about half of all adults have a chronic illness and 96% of those chronic illnesses are invisible. It could be endometriosis. It could be celiac disease. It could be MS, migraines, diabetes, Lyme disease. These are issues that we don't see often on the outside of a person manifesting. Maybe, you know, you're planning to go for a great hike with your new puppy or you're planning this great date night out on the town with your partner and you have a flare-up and you're unable to express yourself physically in the way that you normally would, what does that do to your self-esteem, to your confidence, and to your relationship to your body? I can think of no better person qualified to have this conversation with me today. She is dynamic and hilarious and eloquent. I'm speaking of Azure Antoinette. 
who has been called the Maya Angelou of the millennial generation. And that's right, she's an incredible poet and spoken word artist. And she was diagnosed with relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis, that is RRMS, when she was 28 years old. And she's been living with MS now for well over a decade. And she is looking so vulnerably, so honestly, at the way MS has been challenging her identity as a professional communicator. So Azure is a living, breathing, beautiful example of reckoning with this topic. And she's bringing these experiences out creatively as well. Just this year in 2021, she appeared on Grey's Anatomy as a character loosely related to her own experience and history with MS. So I can't wait for you to hear Azure's words of wisdom and how her chronic illness has both interrupted and also brought her into a deeper relationship and understanding with her body image. As always, if you love the show, let me know. Let me know what you think by subscribing, writing a review, wherever you listen. All right, let's dig in. Hi, beauty. Hi, love. I am so happy to have you here. Oh, I'm pleased. I couldn't remember how long we've known each other, but it's it's for years and years at this point, I think. Yeah, like 2012. Almost 10 years. Yeah. And obviously, when I first met you and experienced you, I was witnessing your incredible, stirring poetry. So I met you as a poet. I also know you as a hustler, a mover, a shaker, somebody on the go, somebody mm. creating gorgeous work in the world through your words. And I was thinking about how we meet people, how we form like our impressions of folks and what people get known for, what we get attached yeah. to. Obviously, that's a big part of what we talk about on the show. When did you know that words were your superpower? I guess I've always liked talking. It was the one thing that... <laughs> The one thing that I got in trouble for every day at school, every single day, like on every report card was like, Azure's doing great. However, it was just like, I always felt like they didn't want me to be great and that we needed some dialogue about it. We should have a chat, yeah. you know? And then the first thing I memorized by recitation was the preamble to the Constitution. The second was the Bill of Rights. Wow. How old were you when you did that? Little. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I started reading when I was three. Mm -hmm. The first book of poems that my mom ever bought me was Edgar Allan Poe. And my favorite poem for the longest time was The Telltale Heart. Yes. And I just remember the magic of reading because there you were, just yourself, sitting wherever you were. And we had these corners all over the house where we would read, where we would concentrate. And I just remember being so nervous when Scotland Yard was sitting in his living room and his heart <laughs> was beating under the floor. And I was like, oh, Laura. Oh my God, this is going to be okay. Oh my God, is he going to drink the rest of his tea? Oh no. You know, and I remember being so blown away that somebody could do that mm. just by writing. And I became obsessed with the dictionary and thesaurus. And I wanted to know what everything meant and, and how to use it in context. And, mm. and I was young when I really fell in love with vernacular, but it wasn't until much later that I really started to understand that my love for constantly having something to say and writing were all so intricately connected and, and married, if you will. What did it do for you from an identity perspective when you found out that you were not only in, in love with that 
you know, it becomes part of what you get known for in your social circles, in your relationships. People know that about you. I'm curious, like, how that was to try on that identity. Did it always fit? Did you wrestle with it? Was it hard to identify as a poet, as a writer? I, the world knew me as a poet and a writer long before anybody in my life did. Mm. I never talked about it. I thought that I would be cast out from my group of friends who I call the original Mean Girls. Mm. I didn't know if I was any good. You know, this started in the early 90s, finished up in the late 90s when I graduated high school. There was no reference. We were still rocking Netscape Navigator and Encyclopedia Encarta on the CD-ROM. I was still playing Oregon Trail, trying to get through, you know, losing an oxen, dysentery, you know. (laughs) There was no reference point. So all of the stuff that we have now that helps you craft what you think and how you feel and let me see how someone else has done it, that didn't exist. And the poets that I knew, the authors that I loved either had passed away or looked nothing like me. Right. It, it just, it, it opened up this world that allowed you to cultivate and foster an imagination. And from what I know now, and of course, being in so much therapy, I can actually not even say the word therapy without flinching a bit. <laughs> but I had so many issues with the way that I looked and that I didn't have the standard frame and that mm. I was one of four black kids at my school and the guys weren't really into me and I didn't really know if I was into them, that the idea of being anonymous, the idea of just being good at writing down feelings and making people feel things felt really enticing to me. That felt like something I could do because this is the one place that they won't tell me I can't run fast enough or that I don't get picked last for the team. Or, you know, I'm the younger girl who got skipped up, who was fat, who like didn't have a lot of friends, but like she was kind of funny. I didn't have to be any of that. I could just exist and be pretty good at it. And I just thought to myself, cool, well, this feels good. And it wasn't, it wasn't so deliberate. I didn't know that I loved it. I didn't know Mm. that, that that was the one thing, no matter all of the things that I fucked up, that this is the one thing I could do and not fuck it up. I so relate to that because when I found writing For me, I was in fifth grade. My English teacher gave me an extracurricular assignment to share a story in front of the class. And and I remember reading it out loud and falling in love with the sensation of moving somebody to laughter or having that power to transform the energy in the space. And for me, I'm probably just like you. I was a young girl dealing with my own body image issues, figuring out where I fit into the hierarchy of how we judge and value women and girls, which is often by their looks first. And I didn't fit there, but I fit with writing, with reading, with storytelling. And you're right. It also became an armor for me. Did it become an armor for you? Oh, it was a complete cope. Like I was really good at writing and my papers were always getting A's and I could say anything. And so I ran for student council and I was good at representing the people. I was good at like getting it out there and, and, and the comedic timing. And But no part of me was ever like, oh, I want to do stand-up. Like people ask me that all the time. And when we met Jess, I hadn't even given a keynote speech. Really? I was just doing poems. When we met, wow. 
everybody just brought me out to razz the crowd. Like I wasn't giving keynotes. I hadn't done a TED talk. I haven't done, I hadn't done any of that. I was just like, I worked in HR. Like that's right. I forgot that. Yeah, girl, same. Mm-hmm. Remind me of the the shift from that corporate life into taking a risk on your art. Man, well, you know LA. Mm-hmm. I was driving home between the four hundred five and the ten. I would say two and a half hours, two and a half hour commute each way on wow. a good day. Drove to the Rite Aid because I was classy. I wanted to pick up a box of bugles and some white Zinfandel from Behringer (laughs) in a box, you know? And uh, I got home and I had on my like sad corporate clothes and I took off just one shoe because that's like all I could do to get in the door was get that one shoe off and just gave up on the couch. And I was sitting there watching HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam and this poet by the name of Marty McConnell came on. She's from the South Side of Chicago. And she said this poem called Instructions for a Body, which was... The poem is riveting, like start to finish. But the end, she says, speak or let the maker take back your throat. March or let the creator rescind your feet. Dream or let your God destroy your good and fertile mind. This is your warning. This is your birthright. Do not let this universe regret you. And at 24, I was like, oh, I'm universal regret. Yeah. Wow. So Jess, as you know me to be all impulse, very little forethought, I marched into (laughs) work the next day, threw open the door of my area vice president and quit. And we weren't on a first name basis. So I opened her door. I was like, Kathy. And like, I definitely didn't have a pay grade to just yell out Kathy like that. Like that was not... (laughs) Like we were not, mm, my you were not at the Kathy level. Mm, we weren't at Kathy. We certainly weren't at like Kathy. We we were probably at like, hey Kathy, hey um, Kathy, <clears throat> Kathy. But I burst in there just out of my mind, and I was like, I quit. And she was like, okay. And I was like, because there comes a point in the universe, and the, the stars are aligned, and you have got to, you have to spit. You have to get out. She was like, okay. And um, she was like, yeah, we all kind of don't know what you're still doing here. We still, I still talk to her today. We still laugh about it. And I was like, oh, how funny. Oh, so I marched back down to my office, super stoked. That was it. Wow. I literally, I heard that poem and that was it. I felt like this person who I had never met, the same way you feel when you hear a song for the first time was talking directly to me because I had already felt that way. I was like, this couldn't possibly be it. I spent all of that time looking up to people. And is this, is this the thing? Yeah. So when we met, and I'll just paint the the, the picture for those that maybe haven't had the, the gift of seeing Azure speak live, but you can get obviously get the flavor from this conversation. Like you were nothing short of magnetic on that stage when I watched you deliver a poem to a room full of young women at a leadership conference and the the energy was so palpable. And I think through the years as I've known you and I've watched you be on this climb that I think we all were on, especially, you know, obviously pre-pandemic, we were hustling hard for our worth, Man. for our money, for our everything. All of it. And then at 28, you get a diagnosis. Yeah. And 
I don't know that you and I have ever really spoken about that moment, but I would be honored if you could bring me to that moment as you're climbing, as you're moving, because I just movement was the word I thought about with you. Yeah, it was massive. I don't I can hardly. Had I not been present for it all, it all seems like it almost didn't even occur. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. There are these moments in your life where you're you're connected to a person or a place, and you're like, so that definitely happened because this and this and this and this and this. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was it was, and there are witnesses. Yeah, yeah, and video. It was. I was living in Hollywood. I was walking to Chase Bank on Hollywood and Vine, and my legs went out. I sat down on the curb. I could not move. Like, I could not move my legs or my feet. I couldn't stand. I panicked, of course. And I called my I called my mom, and her legal secretary answered. And um, she said, I'm sending a cab for you, which tells you the time that we were in. There's no Lyft. There was mm-hmm. no fucking Uber. None of that shit. Mm-hmm. So he took me to my sister's apartment, and she came home after work. And I sat on her couch for maybe five days. She took me to see my mom's internist who diagnosed me at the time with um, labyrinthitis, a really bad inner ear infection. Hmm. Before the legs went out, I had lost the sensation in my fingertips. I couldn't really hold anything. And I was having a lot of trouble using my phone. I couldn't press the buttons anymore. I stopped being able almost to use the phone entirely. My handwriting had gotten atrocious. And I was really dizzy. When I would put my head down, it felt like you were free falling in an elevator. You know, when the elevator catches itself, every time I put my head down. So I had just stopped moving altogether. And I was having a good day when I was walking down to the bank. And so I sat on Dee Dee's couch for a couple of days. I had this binding around my chest, my entire rib cage that had started to get like progressively worse. And- Mm. So much so it felt like somebody was tying me in a corset. Um, And I couldn't explain what was going on. On top of that, I was forgetting everything. Like it just, everything was really freaking me the fuck out. And the more I tried to talk about it, the more people were like, what? And I was young, Jess. Like it wasn't, it didn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was really, it was terrifying. And where did you ever hear about those symptoms? Like how would you have even known? Never. Never. And again, all we had was WebMD and WebMD had like two people on user experience. It was either like HIV or a brain tumor, anything you entered. Wow. So it was, I got, my sister got me to my mom's. I felt awful. We were just getting ready to go to the next season of Brave New Voices. I used to coach that slam team in LA. I was missing rehearsals. I couldn't focus. I was throwing up everywhere. My director was like, what is your deal? I think everybody just kind of thought like I was just being dramatic and fucking around and, you know, whatever. But I literally could not get my shit together. And um, Hmm. finally, after going to the fourth county hospital, it was an ER doctor that diagnosed me. He sauntered in, not like Grey's Anatomy at all, (laughs) not at all. And he was like, yeah, it looks like you have MS. And at this point, I had found one medical journal that was published in the UK where the doctor that that had it was describing exactly the binding in my in my chest. 
Wow. And they call it the MS hug. Now, disclaimer, if you hug like that, we don't need to be cool. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not a hug. That's assault. And it was, it was that doctor. He's like, I just got off an 18 hour shift. He was like, but you should know that MS is not, we call it the great masquerader because your disease looks like a plethora of other things. And it's not just one test. You cannot then just diagnose it from a blood test. It is a series of factors over time that then tell you what kind of MS you have. So I still didn't have health insurance. Like I had mm. just gotten my big break. Like I didn't, they were like, oh, well, you're going to need MRIs. And even then, even then they were, what, $900 for all three. Like wow. $900 was my rent. I just was like, oh, I can't, I'm not going to be able to, I, I can't do that. If it can't kill me, then I'll just kick it. Wow. That was that. Hey, y'all, don't go anywhere. This conversation is getting so good. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. You know what I need? I need more of this epic conversation. Let's go. What was your experience like? Because I know you had talked publicly about how long it took you before you got diagnosed. And like, I think a lot of people who have chronic illness especially women and women of color, there's a yeah. tremendous amount of racism and disbelief of women's oh, pain yeah. and specifically black women's pain. Did you find that as you were seeking doctor support, healthcare support in describing these symptoms? 
they just didn't even hear me. All I kept hearing was, you're overweight. Yes. And I just was like, true. However, that doesn't explain all of this. And we're not here to chat about the fact that, like, that is true. But that is the default that medical professionals go to, especially for women in almost everything. Before oh, they yeah. are willing to look at symptoms, it's, are you losing weight? Do you you need to lose weight? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa. Like, did you hear what I said about my hands? Right. Or the the binding? He's like, well, you're not having a stroke. And I'm like, yeah, True. But what am I having? <laughs> yeah, so so do you have anything to say that's helpful? And it was then that me becoming disenfranchised with Western medicine, it was when that began. Yeah. I felt so awful, Jess, and was so sick that they put me on the medication that they give women with hyperemesis. I couldn't stop vomiting. Look to the left wow. or right. It was violent vertigo. Like, wow, I used to ride teacups with my mom and sister at Disneyland. Like that shit was going to break. I didn't even care about the other rides. If you try to put me on a teacup today, there is nothing. There is no amount of revenue. There's no contract. (laughs) Nothing. And I love revenue. Love it. Yeah. If you told me LL Cool J was going to come up and be with me like I thought he was in high school (laughs) and I could go back and impress all my friends. I still be like, I'm good. Nah, we cool. Yeah. He all right. And he looks exactly the same. When you were telling me about, I want to pick up on a thread here that I think is really important, especially for our conversation around kind of the the predominant stories that live in our minds about ourselves and about our abilities. Like, you know, you were a young girl who struggled with body image issues, young woman who kind of was reckoning with appearance and your identity around where you, as we were talking about, kind of fit out in the way that we honor women and girls' worth, right, by beauty. And then you're getting this fat phobia and discrimination in the medical space around weight, which so many of us experience when when we go in. I'm curious what this diagnosis did for your body image, for how you thought about your body, because now you're dealing with your body differently. It's beyond the surface, right? It is about yeah. its functionality. Yeah. I would say that I didn't like my body in the first place. When I got the diagnosis, it just pissed me off even more. And I was like, you've always let me down. Mm. You never knew how to do the things that other people could do. You you couldn't run fast enough. You like to eat certain mm. things that you shouldn't eat. Like, And on top of all of that, Azure... Now you have this horseshit. So I lost like 90 pounds after being super ill, very, very sick, treatments that didn't work. I had these awesome dreads, lost all my hair during radiation. Like it was all bad and the stress and just not understanding what the condition was itself. And and, um, today I feel as frustrated overall, Hmm. but I'm less hard on my body itself than I was before. Mm. And I try really hard to teach myself to speak with kindness on the days that I'm still not able to walk or tie my shoes or brush my teeth. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it is hard and it sucks to be I in no way am unhappy 
about being black. I love who I am as a black woman. At the same time, I am furious that I have one more space that I'm considered less than. So I don't often use the term disability. I have enough horseshit to battle. I have enough conversation topics. I have enough spaces where people want to be in alliance and allies and none of that's real. So the last thing I'm going to do is walk in the room and tell you that because of this disease that has no cure, zero representation, and now I know disproportionately symptomatically affects black women worse than anyone else that could get it. Like, mm. we're not going to talk about it. It is, we should not have to endure the loss of Chadwick Boseman because yes. he felt he worked in an industry that would already call him less. So he didn't say anything. It's not always the story of, of James Dean and the 27 Club. It's not always that. Sometimes you're just tired of being alive. Sometimes it's just too fucking hard. So to have an autoimmune disease that quite literally people don't know anything about is infuriating to me. And it's taken me from the time of diagnosis up until last year to get in front of it and name it. Mm. And it didn't happen because I felt like, Azure, you're ready. I had a poem go somewhat viral on Instagram mm -hmm. where this disgusting tremor that has emerged starts to pick up and I stopped hiding it. Now I don't get off camera when it happens or I don't cancel the call or I don't not show up to the event yeah. because what I would like to do is spare any other black woman mm -hmm. who doesn't quite look the part from having to hide some more. I cannot fix all of it. And I don't feel bad for not wanting to change the world anymore. What I can do is give visibility and representation to the things that I uniquely understand. And yeah. I just want to be helpful yeah. about exposing what it is so that somebody else at 28 doesn't have to sit there and lose her ability to do everything before somebody finally says like, hey, it's not you, something's actually wrong. Yeah. I'm taken with the power of what you started off sharing, which was the frustration, the resentment, the relationships we have with our bodies when we feel they failed us, when they feel like the enemy, when they've always mm. felt like the enemy. Mm -hmm. and the reconciliation that mm. needs to happen when you're fighting something then greater than even that dynamic yeah. in a relationship. Yeah. And I'm curious, just knowing you the way that I do and knowing how incredibly strong you are, and I understand the weight of that word, how you managed asking for help and how you are managing asking for help. And are there things that people do that are helpful for you in support? And are there things that are not? And what does that need to look like for you now? Man, I am still and always have been terrible about asking for what I need 
and I am the most extroverted introvert I have come to know. Like, I, I'm just like, oh, I'm good. I don't want to go. But if it's work, I'm down. If there's 15,000 people or 5 million, I think that's great. I can't let them down. Mm. I can let you down individually. I can't let down an amphitheater full of people. Mm. And to your point, the people that that are the most helpful, especially with invisible disabilities, are the people that just allow you to be. Yes. They're the people who purpose to know who you are, what that bad day looks like for you, and maybe like those shit-tastic weather people we have, try to forecast what's coming. <laughs> and if they see me struggling, help me with my shoe then. Yeah. You know, from a storyteller perspective, what I know comes through in your art is to weave a new narrative for people and for yourself through creativity, through imagination, yeah. through telling different stories. Yeah. And I want to talk about what what you have done, I think, for broadening and broadcasting. Literally, a conversation around MS was what you did on Grey's Anatomy. Oh. Can we talk about that and how that opportunity yeah. came about? That was cool. That was crazy. That was a trip. It's still a trip. I'm like, what? You know, I'm the little, I'm the little square on Hulu for the episode. No, are you? It's my whole face. I'm just in a hospital gown like, I'm so sick. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> how did that happen? What? How did that come to be? It was during COVID times. You remember everybody was like, ooh, let me create all this content and programming for you on Instagram all day long because... What else are we going to do as a society? Hold your phone. I do remember that. There you were remember. a whole lot of lives happening during that time. Listen, too many. They're like, I'm here, everyone. I've, so I've got have my trusty sidekick. And this is so this I'm going to show you today how I clean my glasses. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> um, so it was, I was doing a workshop with um, the author Jen Pasteloff mm -hmm. and uh, Krista Vernoff and Jen are, are pretty good friends. And so- I put up the, the graphic from the event that was coming up, which you know, was just standard flyers. And I was like, big news, everybody. I'm on Grays. Just kidding. The next line was just kidding, Jess. The next line. And then people were congratulating me and calling me. And I'm like, y'all can't read for nothing. <laughs> I said I'm not on the show. You know, so then we had the actual the actual event that day. And Krista was like, Oh, well, can you act or something like that? And I was like, I mean, I can act surprised. I <laughs> I act content. I act all kinds of stuff, you know? And so that was, we started having a chat about it. She messaged me and, and was like, you know, if you're up for to audition. And I was like, yeah, cool. I hadn't done theater and I don't even know how long. Wow. And she told me, she said, we have, we have a part written for a character with MS. And I was like, okay. And I, like I said earlier, like, I wasn't super keen on being branded with that. I know. Like, I have enough shit. I got enough to do. People already spa voice me. They're like, oh my God, Annie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did you just say spa voice? Yes. I'll be like, I have a mess. They're like, oh my God. Oh. Oh, honey. <sighs> right this way. And they don't even know what it is. And then if I actually say multiple sclerosis, they're like, oh yeah, that's tough. Hmm. <laughs> And I'm like, what? 
They're like, yeah. Mm. So I just don't, I was like, I wasn't super down, but I love Grey's. I've been a huge fan since sure. day one. Watched it all through college. I used to be Thursday nights. That was way before Scandal. I was in it. And then in January, I got a call from my agent and they were like, audition for this part. So I auditioned. I was seizing so much. Mm. I was having so many seizures. I barely made it through taping. Wow. Through the actual self-tape. What's going on in in your mind as that's happening? Are you beating yourself up? Are you just working hard to make it through the moment? Like, do you have a story that's running through you when that's happening? Nah, I just, I'm just glad it has a name now. Yeah. It feels there is a sense of validation and relief when they name it. When you can finally understand that you haven't just not been showing up for people or you're Mm -hmm. not just an asshole who never does what she says she's going to do. That's nice to know that like this is something. And and not only is it something, it's something major. Right. You know, that they do not have a cure for. This is not this disease is not new. No. And and I felt confident in the fact that I had a diagnosis, but as far as next steps went, I didn't know. So everything mm-hmm. that's been happening as a result of having the disease. A lot of that's been very new to me because exactly what you said, Jess, there's no representation of it. There's Mm -hmm. nothing. So you don't know like, oh, this is atypical or typical because X, Y, Z, and I saw this video and such and such. People don't talk about it. And we don't talk about it because you get tired of people being like, I don't know what that is. Right. You know? And so when I'm seizing, or if I lose my ability to handwrite or tie my shoes or I fall down. Today, I'm trying to just advise the people in my life, be cool. Yeah. I'm okay. And when we were filming, it was hilarious because I'm in, I'm on the surgical table. That's where I think we were on like the eighth day of filming. And the left side of my body tends to seize up if I'm sedentary for too long. I never know when it's going to rock up. It's got a super massive mind of its own. And Mm -hmm. there's hundreds of people everywhere. It's a massive set. And I'm laying on the table and they're doing this whole scene where they mistakenly take out my ureter. I don't even know what that is. I still don't know. But I made it (laughs) through the surgery. I'm okay. So they're doing that. They're doing all the stuff. And I'm just kicking it like, what? Pinch me, right? And I start to seize up. So mm. they kind of roll through it. And my my office manager was with me. Her name's Cindy. She's awesome. And they stop rolling. They're like, cut. And they all come wow. in. It's Debbie Allen and Linda, Linda Klein, our director, and like the medical team that does all the writing comes in and they're all leaning over me and I'm still on this surgical table. And they're like, they're all just looking at me. And they said to Cindy, they were like, is she okay? She's like, yeah, she'll tell you. She's all right. Debbie Allen's like, girl, I get nervous. And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not nervous. It just, (laughs) no, it just happens. And I look, they're all stressed and spa voicey. And the COVID captain was there with hand sanitizer and an extra mask. Like everybody's stressed (laughs) out. And I looked up and I was like, I forget that none of y'all are doctors. Right. Right. For a sec. I mean, it looks so real. (laughs) I'm sure. My ass didn't know that I didn't have a ureter. I was like, is it okay? (laughs) Do I get it back? You know what I mean? Like, so then they do that thing. You know, that thing that they do with Corbett. They're like, oh, yeah. She is so, (laughs) all right, action. (laughs) 
and I was like, you guys are weird. So it was the first time that they oh. had ever cast someone with their disease. And then that disease played up on set, but they were so lovely, super cool. Everyone was very, very nice and super helpful. Mm. There was some long shooting days and Krista called me before we set in motion. And she's like, is this something you think you can do? Like they're long days. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I don't, I'm good. And I can communicate a lot better than I used to, but yeah. all we can do, right. Is just keep showing up and be like, Hey, yeah, it's grief. Sure. This is uncomfortable, whatever it is, but all we can do is be present. Like I, I, I don't want people to freak out. Like what yeah. I need is for you to be helpful. And what people don't know about MS is that, my ability to keep myself calm helps my body restore itself back to a stasis. Yeah. So if you're amped and then I'm worrying about you, it's just going to keep going. So I, I not only try to give people warning, mm-hmm. but I also want to just encourage people to like, it's okay. Like I will tell you if I'm getting ready to fall out, if I can feel it, I will let you know everything that I know. But there is nothing we can do. We just have to wait. And the only thing that I can do is be cool. Mm. Yeah. All right. You know the drill. It's that time. I'll be back before you know it. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Oh my gosh, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. All right, let's dig back in. What has your relationship with self-love, what has that grown into for you during this period? We are working on it, Jess. I know that I know that everybody is so excited about going within. <laughs> I like to go out. I don't like to unpack. Yeah. I want to seal it with a kettlebell. So I'm working on it. When you started and you asked me if, how did I know that words were my superpower? What I've come to learn about myself, not just in relation to MS, just into the way I have lived my life at times recklessly, is that my superpower is forgiveness. Mm. And I believe that I have worked really hard to harness it because I pray that I receive it. Mm. 
And um, I'm all right. I used to freak out a lot about not being able to walk because I was like, I'm a presenter. I'm a speaker. And then I freaked out about not being able to speak because that's what I do. Right. But I haven't handwritten anything for very long in over 10 years because I can't really hold a pen super well. Mm. So when I sign books now, it's just kind of scrawly. But Mm -hmm. I embrace it. You know, I'm like, it's all right. You know, and if I have to have a wheelchair, I just ordered my first cane. I don't even want to talk about it. I I don't even. I got it from this lady on Etsy because I think it might be neat. (laughs) Because that one at the CVS is not, I was like, oh, that's not for sure. No. And I was like, now you guys just want me to put tennis balls on the bottom and give up? I'd rather <laughs> lay down on the 405. <laughs> I, I don't see that for you. No. You know, I got good style, Jess. I, I know. Don't have me. I want to look like that fourth member in Boys to Men that nobody ever really knew what was wrong. You remember <laughs> he used to have that cane? But like, we didn't quite know. What was wrong? All no. of the rest of them was always doing all the moves. And he was just in the back, just cool. <laughs> he didn't do nothing. He was swaying, though. He was swaying with the kid. Yes. And that's what I'm trying to do. I just hold it steady and I'm going to just coast. Oh, my God. You know, so it's like I don't. I just the more time that passes, Jess, the less I care about what I didn't post. And you, mm-hmm. we, we have so much trouble loving ourselves because we don't even consider ourselves. Right. Just so worried about what the other is doing that like you just, you completely deleted what a fighter you are. And so I call myself an MS warrior. Mm. I rage against the thing. Like it's not, it's, I am black and gay and female and a self-proclaimed commissioned poet because I entirely made the job up. So MS, I mean, we're good. MS sucks, <laughs> but it's not going to be it. Like, MS ain't even cool like that. Like, I'm so cool otherwise. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> if we're going to go, we're going to go, like, legit, you know? Yeah. Something's going to have to really take me out like a tractor. Right. <laughs> like, something legit. Right. For people who are listening who are wanting to rewrite their story, let's say they're also navigating a change in their health, a chronic illness, an autoimmune disease, an invisible disability, and they're letting that be their story right now. What do you say to somebody who wants to rewrite that dominant story around their body, their illness, their pain? You know that storytelling and teller, like that's my whole, that's everything. You know, it's not so much poems anymore. It's it's the story and living to tell it. And um, even if it isn't a disease, like you are, you're here. I will tell you that that is not a small feat. No matter where you come from, how you misstepped, all of the things you want to redo, all of the regrets and the mistakes, and even the things that you're too scared to talk about, you're here. And we get the opportunity every single day to do it right. We get the opportunity every day to be the forgiveness we want to receive. I know that everybody loves talking about the change they wish to be in the world, but maybe let's do the daily thing and maybe let's give grace and let's give it abundantly. Let's make kindness the trend. 
because it is true. All of the stuff you read, you don't know what people are going through. You don't know where they've come from, how hard they had to fight just to stand up. And with being in what, seven month 17 of a global pandemic with still no cure, all of the information, all of the misinformation, we lost 700,000 people in this country alone. 700,000 stories. So let's just be present. And if you do the wrong thing, atone. And just give people a chance. Give your own body a chance. And I, I am not the... I'm not the guru of the the stuff with the love and light. I don't know what people ever mean with that, Jess. I don't <laughs> want thoughts and prayers. Don't think about me. I don't know who you're praying to. Leave it alone. You know, but I, I do believe that it is free to be kind. We are terrible to ourselves. So let us be love. And MS has taught me how to give patience and grace to this body. And the poem that broke me out of the life that I thought I was going to have is not ironically named instructions for a body. That's just true. Yes. So when, when we do think about the beauty of losing the thing that you, you don't value, it's taught me how to love these hands. Mm. It's taught me how to give thanks for the feet that were never cute enough to get in the shoes that the girls did. It's taught me how to love the thighs that are unwieldy and my arms that have flaps and don't look nearly as good as Michelle Obama's. I mean, not at all like her arms, you know, but these arms carry me. These arms are doing what they know how to do. And so I, I do want people to just like, be okay with the story. It's worth it. And don't forget our duty. Our duty is to remain. Be here. You inspire me to ask you this last question. <laughs> what part of your body could tell the story of your life now? Oh, my hands. Mm. They have seen so much. And I didn't, I don't nearly give them enough credit. Sometimes we rely too much on our eyes and we think too much about our mouths. But my hands, my hands have been everywhere good, <laughs> everywhere unseen, everywhere unclean. My hands have been there. <laughs> and your hands have helped to shepherd in some of the most beautiful work I've ever witnessed. And you, my love, are a work of art and I love you and I'm so happy to have had this conversation with you. I love you too, Jess. Did I tell you or did I tell you that Azure is the perfect person to go on this wild ride with? If you're listening to this conversation and you haven't had a lot of experience with understanding chronic illness or chronic conditions like the ones that we're talking about today, what I want us to take away is an awareness of 
just how much when something goes awry with our health, but especially with a chronic condition, chronic meeting, right? There currently is no cure for MS. So she had to completely upend and readjust her goals based on this diagnosis and what her body was going to be able to provide for her or not provide for her. You know, you got to toss those life plans out the window and make some new ones. No small feat. The other thing that I want to call attention to is on Azure's journey of getting that diagnosis. If you've ever lived in a larger body and you've gone into a doctor for any ailment, the first thing they normally say to you is, oh, you just need to lose some weight. It's like the save all answer for everything. And so now you add on to that Azure being a woman of color, all of the systemic biases that exist in our medical profession, and you're in pain. Just the dynamic of getting an answer, of getting validated, of getting seen, so important for us to be aware of. And, you know, not to lose sight that while Azure had to throw out the plans that she was making in her life to adapt to new ones, she had a gift given to her in her own words around relating to her body differently. She said, MS has taught me how to give patience and grace to this body. You know, recognizing that we're always focused on the external appearance, we don't often think about the functionality because it's less about the physical appearance of your body and more about what your body can do. And she has had to reconstruct her identity around her relationship to her body. And I find that part so inspiring. And lastly, our duty is to remain. No matter what happens, life is a gift. Be here, be present. You can find a way to remain. exploring more about your dominant stories and how you can challenge them and change them. I teach workshops on this stuff, so you can always sign up at JessWiener.com. You can follow me on Instagram at I'm Jess Wiener. I really love the community that we're creating. I love the stories you're sharing and the questions you're asking. So if you want to tell us about your dominant stories that you're rewriting and working on, you can email us at podcast at dominantstories.com or leave us a voicemail at 213-259-3033. And don't stress, I'm going to put all that in the show notes. And next week, we are going to talk about sharing the legacy of beauty rituals with incredible guest Ana Flores, who is the founder and CEO of the We All Grow Latina Network, and Levia Jai Jones, who's a speaker and author of a new book, Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual. And we're going to be exploring how the legacies that were passed down in their families have helped to shape their self-esteem and their beauty identity. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And please don't forget to write a review wherever you are listening right now. It super duper 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 helps us out. And remember, we are always learning and we are always growing. Dominant Stories with Jess Wiener is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.